We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. NBA Most Valuable Player, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis trailing the lob. Oh. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Two seconds. Middleton. Yes! Chris Middleton. Nice jumper. Got it. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Hey there. Welcome to the Eurostep, a podcast that covers the best team in the NBA right now, the Milwaukee Bucks. The Bucks proved that without question in my mind, and I think a lot of other people's minds, by thrashing the LA Clippers 119-91. I'm here with Rohan Kadi. We usually don't record early on Saturday mornings. This is our cartoon time, but we made an exception for this game. Uh, we're going to get into it, this beautiful gift to us. But before we talk about this gift to us, and I guess you could also say this podcast is a gift to you, so you're all welcome, people. Merry Christmas. Let's talk about different gifts. Let's talk about Indochino suits, blazers, and more. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more, and everything is made to your exact measurements for a great fit. Indochino's process is simple. You choose your fabric, pick your customizations, and submit your measurements. Your package will be delivered straight to your door in two weeks. You can get measured and design your suit at your nearest Indochino showroom or do it all yourself online at Indochino.com. Right now, you can get 30 bucks off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout. Plus, shipping, that is free. That's Indochino.com, promo code BLUEWIRE for $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more. That's an incredible deal. For made-to-measure clothing, you will be looking your best, and you really have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that doesn't fit. You gotta get your fit right. You gotta get right, basically, is the the message. And the Bucks got right last night, Rohan. Before we get into more specifics, just how are you feeling generally right now? How are you feeling last night? Would you be able to watch the whole thing live? I know you were a little tied up last night. No, I was I was able to watch the game. So it was it was a very, very it was it was a fun time. I can't even lie. It was just like sometimes when I'm watching games I like to be like a little more critical and, you know, try to find like the little details about like how the Bucks are playing. But just like last night was just a fun game to watch. Am I wrong? No, you're not. And I think this is why I feel better about this blowout. I'm gonna say this. I I want you to react to this take first. Okay. I feel better about the Milwaukee Bucks after this game. Like more like I feel the best about the Bucks after this game. Like more more like I feel like they're more dominant, more ready to win a title this postseason than I ever have after any Bucks regular season game. Like the Warriors win last year was great. That was not a healthy Warriors team. You know, they've beaten the Raptors a lot last season. 
most of those games. I mean, they, I think they blew them out like once, but this was not like uh, the Bucks shoot unseasonably well from three outside of Pat Connaughton, who is just an angel. But this was the Bucks went in there and said, we're just going to demolish this team. And that's what they did. I mean, they shut down Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. They shut them down. They were quiet. Kawhi goes 5 for 14 from the field. Plays 30 minutes. Kawhi and Paul George both play more minutes than Giannis or Chris Middleton did. So anyone who says, you know, in the analysis of this game going forward, that those, like the Clippers, you know, it was whatever. They didn't try. It, you know, the Bucks just wanted it more. The Clippers wanted it more. The Clippers played their stars more than the Bucks did. These are guys who both have injury concerns, both typically get their loads managed, don't play all that much. They played a lot in this game. The Clippers shortened their rotation to six for a good amount of the game. They just didn't have it. Uh, so Kawhi in, in 30 minutes, 17 points, 5 for 14 shooting. Paul George, 31 minutes, 5 for 12 shooting. 13 points from Paul George. He scored his uh, jersey number there. And I just think the way that the Bucks, they didn't run away with this game offensively. They went out and said, you know what? We're going to make it so you just can't score. And that's what they did. And they kept up an intensity we have not seen throughout the entire game until garbage time, which started with eight minutes left in the fourth quarter, by the way. Um, that Probably me, should have started earlier. It probably should have, but PG and Kawhi wanted to stick in there. Yeah. Um, that, for me, is why it was the most impressive. I can't recall a time... The Bucks have just, and it's kind of that Warriors game, but again, I know the Warriors were missing some significant pieces. Yeah. In that also, game. like the Warriors were like struggling to care at that. Yeah, point. for sure. Like this was a game where a newly assembled juggernaut that a whole lot of people, I'm pretty sure myself included, were picked to probably beat the Bucks in the finals, came in here and wanted the win, and the Bucks just said, "No, you can't have it," and just dominated them. And I don't recall seeing a Bucks regular season game. With this kind of this kind of energy and this kind of resounding statement of which team is better, and I think it's fair to say this is as much of a statement game, a signature win as you can hope for in early December. No, this is like the most like ideal outcome if you're the Bucks because it's like the the Clippers came out, the Bucks came out, and it's sort of like immediately felt like playoff intensity, and the Bucks just sort of, they they handled their business, they knew what they were doing. And like you were saying, they won it on the defensive end instead. They've sort of usually like last year, they probably would have tried to win it on the offensive end. But I think this year they're more defensive focused after their um, defeat last season. So I I think their focus on the defensive end is what really got them this win last night. Yeah, it was incredible. And I think one one person in particular, and we got to talk about Brooke Lopez. Zach Lowe deemed Brooke Lopez a force field. In the paint, Amazing. that is wonderful. That is Amazing. a wonderful description, Zach Lowe. Um, Brooke with a, another rough offensive night. I mean, this was something where this game might have been a blowout early if he was hitting shots. Brooke heads up 2 for 12, 0 for 5 from 3 with 6 points. But still, he was still, I would say, a positive contributor just for the amount of defense he played. I think the Bucks, if he just cannot shoot threes anymore, which I think he can. I still think he's just cold. But... The Bucks might want to look at doing some more, like maybe pick and roll or something with him offensively. I don't know. I'm a little worried about the offense with Brooke Lopez right now. There was the stretch where um, it was like a little early in the second quarter where uh, the Clippers started to go a little smaller, and the Bucks just immediately just took advantage and started posting up Brooke Lopez. So it's yeah. like if you can get more of that role out of him, then it's going to still work out, and he's still going to be the defensive force that he is even if he's not hitting his threes. But even if he's not hitting his threes, he has the reputation at this point that his gravity still matters. That's true. That's a very good point as well. But still, at, at some point, you just hope he starts making them. Yeah, because of, there was, yes, of course. <laughs> well, it was like three possessions, I think, in a few minutes where Brooke gets a wide-open three and just flubbed all of them. And at that point, the Clippers, this is the first quarter, the Clippers were up by like six or something like that. They didn't have a very big lead. They never led by a lot. And... um well, yeah, I can actually, I can kind of look it up. It doesn't matter. Clippers take, took a small lead, and it was one of those where I, I was just kind of, you know, there was a little unrest, like, uh-oh, like, the Bucks are so tight. And I was just thinking, like, I mean, I guess, but we've seen these games. We've seen these games where the other team hits threes and the Bucks don't, and then it evens out, and then we know what happens. And that happened, even though Brooke didn't start hitting threes himself. Um, and really, the bench energy was huge. But before I get there, 
Um, the person I was going to say was a revelation was not Brooke Lopez. I wouldn't call him a revelation in this game. He ca- he just continued to be a force field, and I needed to call out how good the force field moniker is. That's that's incredible. Wes Matthews is a revelation. Mm-hmm. Wes Matthews deserves so much freaking credit for this game. And I think the the issue a lot of people, especially non-Bucks watchers, not even to call anyone out, but if you look at Wes Matthews' stats, you're not going to see anything that you know that exciting. I mean, this game. Nine points, three for five from deep, three from six overall, seven rebounds, three assists. It's like a very good stat line for the fifth guy, but it's not like you're going to look at that and go, oh my God, this guy's been incredible. And his numbers on the year, I think Wes is averaging 8.3 points, shooting 38% from three, 2.3 rebounds, 1.4 assists. Like, fine. I Actually, more assists than I honestly thought. I think he's moved the ball really well. He defended Kawhi Leonard in this game, and he was good at it and that's not something i saw coming whatsoever when west matthews was signed it, with his age coming back from that achilles he suffered with the blazers a few years ago i you just kind of i don't know i was conditioned to think like he's gonna hit some threes he'll be all right defensively you probably have to stash him and the bucks said no we don't we don't we're gonna stash him on Kawhi leonard <laughs> and Kawhi, honestly outside of the stretch where pat Connaughton was guarding Kawhi, which i think we should avoid that at all costs from all costs Kawhi was not able to get any sort of rhythm going against the Bucs. He got to the free throw line mm-hmm. a bit, shoot six for six from there. But like I said, five for 14 from the field and like two or three of those buckets, I think, were on Pat covering him. When the Bucs had Giannis on him, I don't, honestly don't think it looked as good. Now I think we're up to two guys. I feel very comfortable about throwing on Kawhi Leonard between Wes Matthews and Chris Middleton. If you didn't watch this game, you're going to think I'm drunk right now. <laughs> I kind of wish I was. I promise I'm not. I've only consumed coffee and water today. Wes Matthews was doing the damn thing, Rohan. Yeah, he was. And I think the reason that it works is like what you were saying about him, like not necessarily, you weren't thinking that he's going to be like a defensive force is because he's lost some of his athleticism that made him like a premier defender early in his career. However, a lot of Kawhi's game is about like smarts and finesse. And he's just going to outsmart most defenders. But that's not the case with Wes Matthews. Like, sure, Kawhi, like, he's going to, he's still, like, a physical, like, dominating force. But he's, like, you know, he's not going to, like, dominate Wes Matthews. Like, Wes Matthews is a strong guy. He can hold his own. But he's also smart enough to know what he's supposed to be doing, especially on these, uh, like, these big wings like Kawhi. And I think that's why he was in a great position to succeed. And he's at, like he's been doing great. Like his last ten games, he's been he's shooting forty four percent from three, and that's after a rough start to the season. So it's just it's it's really good to see the resurgence of Wes Matthews. And it's like we we had the the segment early on that we killed off right away about like <laughs> who should be the starting two guard, and like Wes Matthews was like you know we're we're sort of like saying oh should he should he not? And I guess he's okay, but he he's he's solidified his spot he doesn't do like anything wrong like sure he's not going to jump off the page at you but he's not he's not going to like cost you games cost you possessions most of the time he's just fit in absolutely perfectly i think Mm -hmm. like i don't think you could ask for a better fit on the fifth guy and that's why this has always been why like when it happened the the brogdon thing i don't want to harp on this in in this moment for the bucks but i think this is a perfect moment to look at it and go it stinks to lose Malcolm Brogdon. Malcolm Brogdon was not probably ever going to average 18 points here, unless you're talking about you know giving him Bledsoe's spot, basically. And is your offense better if you do that? I think probably it is. I thought this was a good Bledsoe game. Uh, 10 points, 5 assists, took 10 shots, so not great offensive efficiently. efficiency. I think he was in a lot of right spots. Some of those 5 assists were really, really pretty. Also had 2 steals and 2 turnovers. Led the Bucks with a plus 28. Uh, I think he was in the right spots. He took some ill-advised threes, uh, but ended up making two of them. And, and uh, one of them I can remember was just especially ridiculous. It was a Bucks run and capped off a Bucks run. And when he goes to take it, you think, oh, there goes the run. And he just cans it. I, 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 I'm, I'm betraying myself again. I'm going to be totally rooting for Bledsoe without any sort of <laughs> conscious about it when we get to the playoffs. I can already tell. But the Brogdon thing, it's like, and that hurts your defense. And I think and this is something I want to throw to you. Uh, people on Twitter certainly seem to think, and I think I, I tend to agree, I think West is a better defender for that position than Malcolm Brogdon is. And I don't know. I don't know. What, what do you think? 
Ooh, okay, so oh, that's a little tough. So it seems like like Wes has a, like a better reputation as, as a defender. He's been doing it longer. Like he's a smart defender, like Brogdon is. Like, but I think Wes has like a little bit of a quicker like lateral step than Brogdon, which helps yes. in the in like defensive rotations and just like guarding your guy on the perimeter. Because there were instances where it's like Brogdon is like isolated on the perimeter and he just like he gets blown by. But it's just like and like Brogdon struggled to like go uh go through screens and like Wes he's like he's just he's so smart in the way he plays defense. Like he only expends like the necessary energy he needs to and I saying he's a better defender than Brogdon in this situation might be a little tough for me to necessarily get on board with because Brogdon is a very good defender. But I can see how the argument can be made. <laughs> I, I can too, and I think one of the things that stood out to me about Wes's performance was he was really fighting through screens to stop open threes from getting launched. And mm-hmm. Kawhi only shots shoots two threes, one for two. Like Paul George, like I mentioned earlier, goes three for six. And I I know at least one of those Paul George threes, Giannis ended up on him. And I, we talked about before this game not wanting that matchup, and and we saw why. Giannis wanders away to like mess with uh, I think like Mo Harkless or somebody, or not Mo Harkless, yeah Mo Harkless. I couldn't remember which wing they kept and which they got rid of, but um, goes to mess with either him or maybe Kawhi inside and, and leaves Paul George way too open, and Paul George just cans the three. And that's mm-hmm. why the Bucks. I think the Bucks have a much better defensive alignment for this matchup than any of us thought because the Clippers, they are rolling out three guys. You could tell Milwaukee just did not care about not one bit. The Bucks were not concerned with Patrick Beverly at all. In 30 minutes, he scored six points. And was a team low. Oh, no. I'm sorry. Lou Williams was a team low. But, again, shoots seven times, makes two of them, and, and he didn't he, he didn't impact the game and on that was a good, side. It was a good shooting performance for Patrick Beverly. He's yeah. 29% from three on the season, and his only two shots made were threes. Exactly. He's two for five from deep. And still, that's all he, all he contributes. Mo Harkless was just, a, a, just, again, just didn't really contribute. Three points in 22 minutes, one for six shooting. One for four downtown, and I think he got open a couple of times. I think some of those threes, he didn't really have all that much space. The Bucks' defensive rotations were just so crisp. And then Zubats yeah. shoots six for 10, 14 points, second on the team. But I think that's more one where, like, at least one or two of those was a putback. Some of those, he got some nice pick-and-roll action. Like, it was like those gritty buckets, but it was kind of like we talked about with Andre Drummond with Laz uh, just a couple days ago. It's not like that was, like, something the Clippers could go to. You know, he yeah. ended up being in a really good position to get some buckets. It's not like they can draw up plays for uh, if it if it's a Zubats. I swear I know how to say that name, and and rely on him outscoring you. And and again, it's one of those where like he kind of posted up somebody early, and I was just thinking to myself, every time he he shoots the ball when he's not wide open, I'll take it because it's one less shot for. Leonard and Paul George or, or anybody else on this yeah. team. So it, that that was kind of kind of fun. Um, we got. I want to talk about big twos. I want to talk about all of the Bucks twos. But first, we have two great ad reads we're gonna get through. Um, so let's let's get into that. I mean, if if you're looking for a great gift for someone in your life, even greater than this Bucks win. I mean, Bucks fans. I feel like you can just kind of like tape this game. I don't know how that works. It's, that might be illegal. Never mind. But if you want another great gift. Just keep in mind that guys often get dull, cliche gifts like socks, wallets, and ties. You need to do better for the man in your life. Get them Harry's razors. Harry's is a gift that's both thoughtful and practical. And listeners of the Eurostep can get $5 off any Harry's shave set by heading to harrys.com slash bluewire. Free shipping ends on December 16th, so act now. Harry's holiday set start at just $20. That is within Secret Santa limits. And Harry's blade refills are as low as two bucks each, so your guy will save money over time. The, these boxes come ready to gift in a handsome holiday gift box. And your gift gives back as 1% of each sale will be donated to charitable organizations. And as a special offer for fans of the Eurostep, thanks to our partnership with the Blue Wire Podcast Network, we can give you $5 off any shave set, including those limited edition holiday sets. When you go to harrys.com slash bluewire. Plus, the shipping, as we mentioned, is free for now. Each set comes with a weighted handle with option to engrave, five blade razor cartridges, 
the foaming shave gel for a rich lather, a travel cover to protect your blades, and it's all packaged in a handsome holiday gift box. That free shipping will end on December 16th, so act now. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire. And for all my folks out there worried about logistics, one of my top 10 words all time, I think, the holiday rush is here. You need to be able to ship out orders quickly, efficiently, and affordably. But how do you do that? You do that with ShipStation. With just a few clicks, you'll be managing orders, printing labels, and getting those products out the door and delivered in time for the holidays. ShipStation works with all major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, and UPS. You can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Take the hassle out of holiday shipping this year. Let ShipStation help you handle it all with ease. Just use our offer code BLUE, B-L-U-E, to get a 60-day free trial. Two free months of no-hassle, stress-free holiday shipping can be yours. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and type in B-L-U-E, ShipStation.com, offer code BLUE. ShipStation, make ship happen. A couple guys who made ship happen last night were Pat Connaughton and Dante DiVincenzo. Uh, the Bucks ran with a unit at one point that was Bledsoe, DiVincenzo, Connaughton, Matthews, and I think Brooke Lopez, and it absolutely rolled the Clippers with Kawhi and Paul George out there. Rohan, can you explain this sorcery that seems like the absolute peak of Galaxy Brain Bud lineups? <laughs> it's just <laughs> you like watching that was just like I, you can't you can't help but like laugh when something like that happens. When I was a, cracking up when a line of that absurd is rolling the Clippers. It's just it's just pure comedy. Like Bud Bud is Bud is an evil genius, man. Like okay, but like it's in all seriousness, like Dante and Pat, like their energy was off the charts. If you need like some sort of like spark in like a game like this where it's very intense. Like, they provided it. Like, Dante and Pat, they were flying all over the place. They were getting um, loose balls. They were just uh, being tenacious defenders. They were, you know, making their shots. It was just, it was, uh, especially Pat. Pat was making his shots. Dante was, like, two for seven. But it was it was just, it was beautiful to watch. Like, you just get these guys, and they know what they're supposed to be doing. And it's, I don't know how else to describe it besides it's just like they fit within this offense and this defense beautifully. Like they fit within the team. They know their role. They make things happen and rarely just make mistakes. Correct. Um, So Pat was all over the offensive side. Then Dante was all over the defensive side. Uh, Dante scores 11 minutes or 11 points in 22 minutes. Excuse me. He does only shoot two for seven, but he gets to the line and makes all six of his free throws. Pat, one for one from the free throw line. Pat, in 21 minutes, is five for five from the field. Two for two from deep, scores 13 points. Team high, plus 35 points in Pat Connaughton's 21 minutes. But Dante, four steals, five rebounds, one assist in those 22 minutes. So he was all over the place. And I couldn't agree more with their energy. This is something we've talked about on here before. I tweeted I tweeted that we talked about it, and now I talked about that I tweeted about it, that we talked about it. That's that some just, of that. That just hurt my brain. It's like the life imitating art imitating life, except it's like pod imitating Twitter imitating pod. I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, uh, that energy was on full display, though, because as, as, I, as I mentioned earlier, the Bucks did start off a little stilted, and that just all went away when Pat and Dante got in the game. And some people, I, I haven't really seen it much, but there, there, there could be an argument made like, well, maybe that means you should start one of them. I don't really think that's the case. I think it's perfect to be able to go to the bench and put both of those guys in there at once like what a phenomenal pairing and they've shown like that that group now those guys have shown in this game I mean this is a game where you would worry maybe more than almost any others besides probably the Lakers maybe the Sixers like well you can't play that many of those guys at once because they're just not big enough they play big they're so athletic they're so strong especially Wes they just play bigger than they are, and they were fine against literally a lineup with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. I'm yeah. not over this yet. No. What a phenomenal display for the Bucks bench that I think just showed that they can hang with anyone. And the most important thing 
takeaway for me from the first quarter, first half, whatever it was, there was no fear from anybody on the Milwaukee Bucks. Not at all. Nobody, not a single player who got run in that rotation gave a damn who was on the other side of the court. They didn't care about Kawhi Leonard. They didn't care about Paul George. They went out there. They did their jobs, and they blew them out of the arena, yeah. and it was spectacular. Yeah, we, we've seen this with Pat before. Like, Think about the Boston series last year. Like, He was such a big part of that series. It was, it was insane to watch. Like, You know that he can perform in the biggest moments, and like this had the intensity of like the biggest moments. So when Pat comes in, you know he's going to give like you know what he's capable of doing in like playoff situations, and he and he proved it once again tonight. I mean, like last night, whatever. Yeah, dates are hard. They are. Um, let's talk big twos for a second, Rohan. I don't know if you remember this, but in almost every, I almost want to say every uh, compilation of big twos out there. This is a big theme all summer. Big twos. Look at all the big twos: mm-hmm. LeBron and AD, Kawhi and Paul George. How often did you see Giannis and Chris mentioned in there, Rohan? Uh, I would say approximately zero times. I would as well. And I would also say that tonight in this big-time matchup that both teams clearly wanted, Milwaukee's big two was far and away better. Oh, and yeah. I've, it wasn't even close. I have been harping that Giannis and Chris are a real big two since the summer. I thought it was ridiculous. I saw You know what really made me mad? I get it if you're just going to focus on the stars. I think it's BS. I think Chris is a star. But whatever. Like I guess it's understandable at least. I still disagree. I saw freaking Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray on <laughs> I remember that. And it's like, all right, well, everyone knows Giannis is way better than Jokic. Does anyone really think Jamal Murray's better than Chris Middleton? I hope not. I really hope not. So here, let's look at some stats. The big two, Giannis tonight, 11 for 20, 27 points, 11 boards, 4 assists. Chris, 7 for 9 from the field, 17 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists, and a block. They combined to shoot 18 for 29 from the field and for 44 points, 17 rebounds, and 9 assists. They shoot 62% from the field to combined with Chris carrying the field goal percentage, which is hilarious. <laughs> and they only played uh, 51 minutes. So they went ahead and scored 44 points in, in 51 minutes. Meanwhile, on the other side, in 61 minutes, Kawhi and Paul George combined for 30 points. Mm-hmm. They, uh, so Chris, Giannis, yeah, Chris and Giannis also combined for half as many turnovers as Kawhi and Paul George. Correct. Chris only turns the ball over once, so does Paul George, but uh, Kawhi turns it over five times. Um, so Giannis outplayed Kawhi, mm-hmm. and Chris Middleton outplay, outplayed Paul George. And this is something like... I was on Twitter like, let's let's not ignore this. Let's make a big deal out of this. Let's give Chris Middleton some damn respect. He rose to the occasion. I thought Chris was tremendous in this game. I thought we saw a continuation of the aggressive Chris we've seen without him hijacking the offense at all. And he was just, again, another player just in his absolute comfort zone. Mm. I think I think going back to your original thought about like why they're not considered like a big two, I think it's because like Kawhi and Paul George are almost considered on like the same level player. Like LeBron and AD are considered like sort of like on the same level of players. Like it's like Giannis is clearly head and shoulders yes, above Chris yes. Middleton. Like that's that's not a, like a hot take or anything. But the thing like they come like that's not to say that Chris Middleton isn't fantastic. Like sure, like Giannis is clearly the alpha there, but there's still like a combined force that's like. In, insanely above most other duos and like I don't know I don't know put some yeah put some respect on Chris Middleton's name you gotta put some respect on his name I think it'll happen this postseason because will it though because he's been balling the last couple postseasons he has but I think now with the honest Chris pick and rolls becoming seemingly more of a thing the Zubats mm. poster was on one of but if you're listening to this we love you yeah absolutely um, <laughs> well, you know he is, but what, um, I'm trying to remember. Do you like was the Zubats poster on a Giannis Chris pick and roll? I thought it was. I think it was where it's like Giannis sort of popped out and then yeah. sort of drove and then just obliterated Zubats. It's so funny. Like I, 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 I wish they. Were, I see why they don't, and it keeps the guys involved, and it's the same philosophy Steve Kerr uses. Why you don't just spam somebody Giannis pick and rolls? But I think we're seeing more of them. I think we're certainly seeing more of that kind of stuff when the game is really getting tighter. And I think it's great because like teams are just unable. Like teams cannot really handle 
the honest Chris pick and roll. Like it's it's so devastating, and, and really the anyone any honest pick and roll, but especially honest and Chris because he's we talked about this. I mean, he's such a three level scorer that you have to really account for him as well. But I mean, you have to account for a lot of guys on these Bucks teams. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, where, where should we go? Do you have any? I have a couple more points, but do you have anything you're you're uh, fiending w- to talk about? I was wanting to talk a little bit about like the defensive effort that they put on Kawhi Leonard, and when I was like, yeah. I was rewatching a little bit of this before we started recording, and it seemed like I got flashbacks to the Toronto series, except the Bucks or the Raptors and the Clippers were the Bucks. Because, like, the way they were loading up on Kawhi and just absolutely taking away every single passing lane that he had, it reminded me of, like, what they did to Giannis. And it it worked. Like, they forced Kawhi into a bunch of turnovers because he's already not as great of a passer as Giannis is. Like, not even close. But, and, like, you just... So you don't even need to do as much to take away passing lanes. And it just... It wasn't... Like, they weren't giving him any room to breathe. And they just, like, the defensive rotations were crisp and, like... It worked. They shut him down. Yeah, they did. Uh, I misspoke earlier, by the way, when you were talking about turnovers. I was reading Mo Harkless's. So they, Paul George and Kawhi both turned the ball over five times. So yeah, they did double uh, the real big twos amount of turnovers in this game. But certainly, um, I think what's funny is the Bucks gambit in this game for defending the Clippers was we're going to make life really hard for Kawhi inside. And we can do that because I, I think people underrate how important Brook Lopez is. Even like you mentioned, even if they're not following his spacing, so few teams have a five right now that you really have to worry about. And so the Bucks certainly seem to feel that way about the Clippers. And it results in Zubat scoring a good amount. But again, like who cares? Like I'd rather have the ball in Zubat's hand than Kawhi Leonard or Paul George's hands. And it's all about like how you can leverage the cast around stars to open up room for them or to to have that cast do well when that room is shut down. Yeah. And that's why I think the Bucks Raptors to Bucks Clippers thing is a great comparison because the Bucks were able to bring traffic over to Kawhi and force him to funnel the ball out and sometimes just like take the ball away like Dante was such a menace mm-hmm. off ball wandering like getting steals like his defensive acumen. Oh, it was so much fun to watch. <laughs> he is such a smart defender. He's so good at finding where the ball is going to go and just beating it to the yeah. spot. Like Here. he is oh. Yeah, it, uh little little thing for next next game uh for all you listeners and us. Just like when Dante's on the floor, just watch him on defensive possessions. Don't like pay attention to like the ball. Just watch Dante and you will be very entertained and like amazed. It's like watching like an elite NFL cornerback. Yeah. Like you can tell he reads the the quarterback in this in this case whoever's passing. And he, like, a few times every single game, he jumps it. And I think that just adds. Mm. Like, it just makes a great defense even more terrifying. Yeah, he knows the what Bucks, the offense is doing before they do it. He does. And the Bucks defense is so good already that they force passes you don't really want to make. Like, you don't want to pass out from Kawhi in the mid-range, sometimes even in the painted area, to Mo Harkless or Pat Bev. Like, you'd rather have Kawhi with the ball down there. But, I mean, obviously an open shooter is good, but the Bucks, I mean, this game really were just tremendous on not leaving anyone open. They rotated so fast and so capably that the Clippers could not get a string of three-point shots. I mean, they would have one or two in a row at a couple moments, but then the Bucks would come back out, refocus, and just take it away. But you're already making passes on the move that you don't really want to make, and now you have a guy in Dante who will just pick them off left and right. And it's it's just tremendous to watch, and it adds another level of oh my God, how do we score against these guys to mm. the Bucs? Um, yeah, it's 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 great. And I, I agree with you. I think everyone should just like sit and watch Dante alone on defense for a while because it's a whole lot yeah. of fun. Another thing I wanted to mention about the defense was like uh, when they would get like the Clippers in one stretch, I think it was early in the third quarter, were strictly trying to do like drive and kick. Um, so they were getting penetration into the paint and then trying to get kick to the perimeter and swing for an open shooter but the thing is they learn that that does not work against the bucks because once they get penetration and uh, like brooke lopez is already waiting over there the um, the guy trailing on the um, driver is already working toward working his way towards the corner where the pass goes and then it's like they're trying to swing it around and then usually when you're trying to do that the last guy who gets the ball, who's open, sort of like pump fakes and gets the guy to fly by, especially if it's Pat. 
but <laughs> that wasn't the case because the last person on all of those rotations was Giannis. Yes. <laughs> and then Giannis does not bite. He stays low, but can still contest three point shooters, which is uh, like insane on its own. But if that's your last line of defense, like you can't do anything about that. No, and that's like no team wants four or five seconds on the shot clock with somebody who's not an, a primary ball handler matched up against Giannis on the perimeter. Like there's not you're not getting good offense out of that ever. He makes it hard to pass. He makes it even harder to shoot or dribble against him. And I think that's why really this game, this hammered home something for me, and I think it's going to disappoint a lot of people. I still prefer Giannis not on the primary offensive threats. I think he's still at his best on the Moharklesses of the world. No, he's a better then, help defender. He is. He's, he's, I, I mean, he leads the league in, in defensive defensive points saved. The he NBA might math. be the defensive player so, of the year as a help defender. Yeah, I mean, he's that good. Like, he just, it's where he's at his best. It really is. And he's a good on-ball defender. He's not bad by any means. No, That's not at all. But he's not, like, he's not, like, the best perimeter defender in the league. Like, no. he can still hold his own, obviously. He, like, he's a good perimeter defender. But it's like his bread and butter is this, like coming off of someone. And with the Bucks having Bledsoe, and I will give Bledsoe his credit here. He helps make this happen. Mm-hmm. Bledsoe, Matthews, and Middleton as your other three defenders on perimeter guys, you can afford to put him on someone else. You have good enough defenders where you will not get killed. And we've seen it time and time again. You go back to that, that Raptors series. The Bucks were not getting killed with Chris Middleton defending Kawhi Leonard. Mm-hmm. I will keep saying that forever. I think the Bucks' offense cost them that series more than the defense. I know we talk about this series all the time, but it's instructive. That's what teams are going to try to do. And I think um, the the Clippers tried to, to an extent as well. Early in the game, Giannis did not score a lot. He ended up opening it up later. And I think that's because the this Bucks cast way more than last year. I don't want to say way more, but more than last year, I think is equipped and ready both schematically through experience and through personnel to bust open those slumps and not let teams sag too much to contain Giannis I think there's more danger in these lineups I think on both ends like the transition game helped the Bucks outscored the Clippers in transition but I think I think Pat is more ready I think Wes Matthews is such a, a reliable quick trigger option from three I mean I just think this team is so prepared to bust open that defense I mean Bledsoe going two for four from three is terrific Chris sinks all three of his threes Everybody else making shots opened things up for Giannis, and that's when he just decided to tear off the Clippers' heads. Mm-hmm. Like, one, if the other guys get going, like it's like Giannis is going to get his own, and then the other guys are going to feast, and then there's nothing you can do because you're the other team and you've lost. Like, right. Like, there's, right. there's literally no way to beat them when everyone's just, when the supporting cast is firing, and then Giannis goes and gets his own. There's no way. I, there's no way to do anything about that. No, there's not. And I think what was really encouraging for me about the the cast getting going is it wasn't like just every, like somebody making a ridiculous amount of threes or even the Bucks making a ridiculous amount of threes. They shot 38%, which is like good. It's not bad, but it's not like they made 50% of their threes in the game. You know, I know a concern early through that first quarter was the Bucks like went on a really hot three-point shooting run. And it's like, well, that might not be sustainable. It turns out the game was sustainable because the Bucks defense was just so so good at strangling the Clippers, but I think what was nice is the, it was the ball movement and like the set plays, or maybe not set plays, but like the plays and the motions that the Bucks kept doing. That's what opened up their offense, and that is something that's sustainable. I mean, the amount of you know pass and screens on the top of the key that would lead to other motions around the floor and open things up for cutters. People, I mean, I, how many times does Wes Matthews kind of like dip inside, hand the ball off or something, duck around a three, and end up back open at the top of the key? Like, mm-hmm. they're running stuff off the ball that is generating good looks. It's distracting defenses. And then you just get these options where it's either, you know, you worry about Giannis so much that you just let someone score. The best example of this was first half. Eric Bledsoe does a pick and roll with Giannis. Giannis sets the screen. Both Clippers defenders are so concerned with Giannis, who kind of starts to like move out like he's going to receive the ball. Bled just has a wide open layup. They, they're not even there. Yeah. They don't even notice him. Yeah. So that's that's what happens when you run all these motions and get make make defenders make a choice. Hmm. Am I going to stick with Giannis no matter what? Because we know if he's open, it's a dunk. And he got a couple open dunks in this game from all that motion too. Just everyone worrying about uh, three-point shooters. Giannis slips into the paint. It's a dunk. You can't do anything. 
do we let him have single coverage, which is, I mean, practically a dunk in a lot of cases, <laughs> depending on who's defending him? Yeah, the only way to stop that is a flop. Yeah, it is. And so either we, we, we let one of those things happen or we, you know, two guys end up fixated on Giannis because of how the, the players are moving around and screening for each other. And then someone's just open. And the Bucks were able to make those looks, those decisions happen again and again and again. Yeah. And one of the best things you can do to an NBA defense is force guys to make those kind of, you know, basically almost lose-lose decisions because if you don't answer every decision perfectly, you're going to end up giving up a really good look. And the Bucks put themselves in positions again and again in this game to capitalize on those looks. And it was very impressive from yeah. a team-wise and from schematic-wise. I mean, I feel like we end up we end up picking a lot of nits with Bud over the course of the season. I think that's just part of having a podcast that covers a team. But hats off to Bud. I thought this game, the Bucks were tremendous on both ends. No, absolutely. You have to give all the like a lot of the credit to the coaching staff, and it, it was just like the most improvement that the Bucks have made from last season is just like their ability to get Giannis out of double teams yeah yeah because like that's what cost them last season and that's like that's what they needed to improve on and so they got people who can move around who can get open like one of the one of the good things about Nikola Mirotic like the only good thing I think was that he was (laughs) able to relocate to Giannis's passing lanes except he would just brick the shot and be a defensive liability um but like they have now guys who can move to like where Giannis can pass them the ball, and also Giannis has improved as a passer, so he can just get them the ball anyway now. But they can get to where Giannis can get them the ball, and they'll just hit the shot or like uh, do something on their own. It's just like they they've made it a lot easier to get out of Giannis double teams, which used to be like the the quote unquote best way to sort of defend the Bucks, but now that's not really as much of an option anymore because of all this motion that you've been talking about. I think the team got better. I think Giannis got better. Oh yeah. I, yeah. I remember especially yeah. at one point Kawhi is guarding him and Zubats comes over and helps and he just maneuvers around both of them and ends up getting into the paint. I think he drew free throws on that possession. Um, I, and that's the thing, like I was tweeting with Anthony Doyle, who is a, a Raptors guy, a, a good Raptors guy. And he was kind of saying about how the but like earlier in the game, like oh uh, like it's gonna be hard for any team to beat these box. All these teams, like all these other like contenders out here, are too flawed. I think. And I tweet, this is true. Also, the Bucks are better. And he kind of comes back with, oh I don't know. I mean they lost Brad and whatever, whatever. And I was the game's going on. I'm busy. I didn't I didn't get back into it. And then later, I saw him tweet out something else that was like. Wow, it really like I really thought the Sixers were the team who was going to learn from their loss to the Raptors and just become a buzzsaw, but it was the Bucks. Like the Bucks learned more from that defeat and learned how to handle things. And I came back and I was like, "Now you see why I tweeted they are better. <laughs> yeah. They are equipped to handle it now and really like like I, I at one point I I took from this. I don't think the Bucks are guaranteed to win the NBA title this year. Let's not no. go that far. But I do right now feel like they have higher odds than I've ever felt before in the regular season. I mean, no. obviously, when they went yeah. up 2-0 against Toronto, you kind of started to feel that way. But even then, you assumed at the time Golden State was bringing their, their whole juggernaut to the finals. Obviously, unfortunately, due to injuries, that didn't happen. This was the big, bad Western Conference team that was supposed mm-hmm. to be lurking, and they got blown out. So um, I feel great about the Bucks. It feels like players and coaching staff alike, hopefully, have learned a lot from that series, and you got to. That was the Bucks' first real playoff test. They had, of course, some moments in the first round against a, a Raptors team that didn't go to the finals and a Celtics team that didn't go to the finals, and and like two Raptors teams. But this was their first conference finals winner go home situation where they should have been good enough to go. And I think. I, I mean, how often do teams have zero moments like like where they lose like that? Yeah, you, it feels you can't very skip rare. steps. No, you cannot skip steps. And I think that loss, like Anthony had tweeted, it taught the Bucks some things that they are now going to use this season. And this win, to me, feels like a stepping stone to something eventually much, much, much greater, a.k.a. the Larry OB coming back to Milwaukee. Yes, I can't think of any what better way to say that. It's just, I yeah, I feel really good about this team, like you were saying, better than I felt about them even last year. Like, because... They're they're right now they're head and shoulders like they should be the title favorites by a large margin right now. 
Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I tweeted if you don't have the Bucks at the top of your power rankings, you you messed up. Yeah. This was this. I mean, also, Giannis is the MVP. Yes, that's very important. We need to keep harping this because I I see so much LeBron and even Harden talk. Come on. Yeah, Giannis is the. This team is on pace for seventy-one wins or something. <sighs> And they don't try that hard. Giannis played 26 No, they're not trying game. that hard. And they're well, okay, goal. they tried super hard for the first three quarters. Well, yeah, but, but that's all you need to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, before we close, I have to give a shout-out. One, one last note. Um, George Hill didn't play all that well. He didn't. Which yeah. is, uh, I mean, he, he was good. He only played 16 minutes, 6 points, 4 assists, 3 steals. So, like, he was certainly good. But, like, we didn't even have George Hill blowing up in this game. We, had we know there's going to be some games. Yep, that's that's who I have to give credit for. I got ripped to shreds for my anti-Ursan take, despite me tweeting, following up on it to, I think, Ursanity, and Ur, one of the many, somehow, Ursan stand accounts that I knew he was going to start playing better after I called him out and I was playing 4D chess. Ursan, for whatever reason, the Bucks just decide to start going to Ursan pick and roll over and over. And I think it is a, a real thing. I mean, the the... the Clippers do not have great defensive big men, and I think that was exploited by by this. Ursan in ten minutes shoots five for eleven, scores thirteen points, four rebounds. Of course, like three of them on one damn possession, yeah. one assist, no turnovers, four fouls in his ten minutes, but plus oh. twenty four. That's like that. You just like Ursan's got to hang up this score sheet. Like <laughs> <laughs> it was incredible. Like, that's, it was this truly is like incredible. The, this is peak Ursan. It, like, <laughs> it was. They they just decided to make Ursan like their version of Montrez Harrell. Yeah. Like we're gonna pick and roll Ursan you to death, and there's nothing you can do. And there was actually nothing they could do. And it was. I'm I'm saying this is peak Bud fever yeah. dream. If like, I was an NBA head coach, I would exclusively do weird things like this. So I'm glad Bud. Like I hope he had fun. <laughs> I think he had to as much as he could while yelling wide eyed at the officials, which is one of my favorite butt things, by the oh, way, because the Bucks almost never get a good whistle, and I think it's great that he does that. Mm-hmm. No, but Ursan, eleven shots in nine <laughs> minutes and fifty three seconds, and four fouls, like, and he scored thirteen points, like, ah, oh, just. I, I love Ursan. <laughs> he got to the line and made two free throws as well. What a what an Ursan <laughs> game. Poor DJ, but. Ursan yeah. doing Ursan stuff. He had stuff. to be, He's gonna he had to be sacrificed for the greater good tonight. Yeah. Um. I I'm, I ran through everything on my my notes sheet here. Rohan, do you have anything else? Uh no. I think I think this might be the end of the episode. Yeah. We just gotta look forward to. I think this was one of the three most important regular season games for the Bucks. Okay, I think. What are have, the other two? Well, well, there's two Lakers games, so I guess either one of those, depending on how if like if everybody plays, I guess it's one of four. But then the the Sixers Christmas Day game, I think, is going to be huge. Yeah, and but at this point, I don't like Philly's chances one bit in that no, game. No, not really. Philly's Philly's sort of like their record doesn't really uh, like show this, even though it's not great. Uh, they're struggling against they have like, issues. bad teams. Do you know what Ben Simmons is scoring this season? I know points per game isn't everything, but do you know how many points per game Ben Simmons is scoring this season? Uh, I don't know off the top of my head. When I checked yesterday during the day, so if he had a big game last night and it changed a little, excuse me, but 13.2 points per game. Awesome. That's what you That's, love. <laughs> that is inexcusable for a player as good as Ben Simmons. They're, their team, they're, they're gritting out wins right now. You're right. but And they're still like fifth in the East or something, but – they are having some real issues. And this is exactly the kind of thing I was worried about all summer long with that team. It's just too big. But we'll talk more Philly yes. when we get there. And the Bucks seem to have a little bit of a break in their schedule again because this is a soft spot of the season. They don't play another good team till the 16th, which is the Dallas Mavericks. And then they, yeah. and then they play the Lakers after that. So that's a tough two-game stretch. But it seems like it might be a little bit of... How, how, okay, let me ask you this uh, as the last sort of question. It just like off the top of your head, how how far do you think this win streak goes? Because they've won fourteen games in a row. <laughs> yeah, we probably we didn't talk about that. that. We did not talk about that. Um, at this point, I'm really wondering if they can get it up to twenty, and I think they might be able to. I, I just at this point, I also one one other thing I wanted to touch on. One of the one of the things I would talk about when I complained about the Bucks not playing well early is I said I just hope that they have a, a, a switch they can flip, they do. Yes. <laughs> they, they, they do. They, do they have, have a switch. Yes. We saw we saw the switch get flipped. No, so that's now, a great point. 
now I have less concerns about that. But the way this team is rolling right now, I think they're going to beat bad teams without needing to flip it. Like, they're just way too good. They're way too deep. And they're just, they're on a roll right now. And you can tell it's carrying over game by game. So I think, like, bad teams, of course, they could lose any game. But I'm just not all that worried. I think they could get 20. They'd have to get through the Mavericks and Lakers to get there. But both of those games are at home. And I think I think the Mavericks just are going to have some trouble with the Bucks, um, with their athleticism, with guarding Giannis, of course. Uh, and with and I think the Bucks have a lot of guys that can throw at Luka, which is like the primary concern there. Uh, the Lakers are going to be a real challenge, of course, if especially if both LeBron and AD plays. And they've been playing all year, so there's no reason to think they won't. But again, a home game, Bucks are going to have a whole lot of positive momentum. I think they can beat both of those teams. I think they can get up to around 20, yeah. but we will they see. They can get to nine, 18 before they play the Mavericks. Okay, so if they if they if they beat the next three or four, four. or whatever easy teams, mm-hmm. then if they then that week it's Mavericks and, and Lakers. Wow. So I think they can get 20. Yeah, and I would be remiss if I didn't point out this great tweet by Tim Ray on Twitter. Uh, the Bucks could lose their next game by 97 points <laughs> and still hold the best differential in the NBA. What a ridiculous team, man. We're so lucky. <laughs> Life is good. <laughs> Life is really, really good, Rohan. Wow, that's that's tremendous. 97 <laughs> points and still hold the best point differential in the league. And I, I don't. something tells me they're not going to lose the next game by 97 points. It might points be a little tough to go from demolishing the Clippers to the worst loss in history. So, yeah, maybe not. Also, you know what might be even more important than the, the overall win streak? What? We are now on a four-game blowout streak. We are, yeah. We that's insane. Yeah, like the Bucks struggled early with like you know blowing big leads, but now now they fix that and they're just blowing out teams. I mean, two in a row by forty, and now two in a row by at least twenty, right? Uh, yeah, and Oof. yeah. I mean, maybe they should start playing good teams. <laughs> yeah, if only there were some around. Ah, uh, who knows. You know, so okay, I think we might we might have gone a little longer oh, than oh, we thought. We did, but this win was deserving. We got to say happy belated birthday, Giannis. Yes, happy Giannis birthday, birthday, Giannis. Yesterday. Giannis turned freaking twenty five yesterday. <laughs> life, what? Life is good. <laughs> I turned twenty five in late January. I I don't think I'm going to reach Giannis's level of accomplishments by then. Hey, you don't know that. <laughs> I, I think I do. <laughs> Uh, okay. Do you have anything else to add for this no, this episode? No, I'm, I'm, we. I think we. Are, I think our, our victory lap has been well deserved, but I think it's been long enough. Okay. So, from Ty and I, we'd like to thank you for listening to this victory lap slash discussion of the Clippers game edition of the Eurostep podcast. If you please, if you did like this, please rate and review on iTunes, on Spotify, like whatever, where, wherever you listen to your podcast. Rate and review. Tell your friends about us. If you want to join our Discord, which has been popping uh, during games, like just talking about the NBA, Bucks in general, tweet Ty and I a picture of us, you listening to the podcast, and we will get you in the Discord. And again, you know, thank you for listening, and we will catch you next time.